Manganas St. Louis Acura would like to upgrade your current BEV experience. The new ZDX offers the performance that you expect from Acura, but upgrades your ownership experience with our award-winning team. Whether you're looking for a more convenient charging solution or an upgrade to a new vehicle, come in today and make a reservation for the all-electric ZDX coming soon. Manganas St. Louis Acura, better than ever for you. Hey, everybody, welcome to another edition of Huddle Up with Howard. I'm Mike Claiborne. Of course, our host is Howard Richardson. It's been a while since you and I have talked, man, and there's so much that's taken place since our last chat. So let's start off. We'll work our way backwards. Let's start off from the games over the weekend. Uh, very entertaining for sure. Uh, I, I think people were surprised by the outcome uh, because you had some destined teams, and then you had one team who almost made themselves a team of destiny. Yeah, certainly talking about the um, uh, the Detroit Lions, who had an amazing year, um, I, I think. And you could just look at their ascent over the past three seasons, and you just felt like, man, it all came together for them. Um, I had picked both road teams, you know, of course, uh, the, the, uh, the 49ers and, excuse me, the Chiefs and the Lions. And, and realistically speaking, um, the Lions with a 24-7 lead at halftime, for all intents and purposes, should have won the game. But I think you have to look at um, the maybe lack of experience uh, from the roster of the Lions compared to that of the 49ers. Um, you got to give credence to that. Uh, they came out, they weren't aggressive in the second half. You know, Dan Campbell played his game the way he has done it all year long. And it seems to have uh, to have bitten him a little bit. You know, there's an opportunity to kick a field goal, go up by three scores, gets a team like the 49ers that can strike very quickly with, with its offensive personnel. Uh, I thought, by, by going up three scores, psychologically speaking, three scores does a lot to you. It forces you to really change your offense. Two scores is not that big of a deal because if you score once, you're only one score down. Uh, and it's much more manageable. You don't really have to change your game plan. But with three scores uh, and only two quarters, it, it's a little more daunting. Um, but that's that's what I would have done had I had been coaching and but that's what Dan Campbell's the coach and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I don't have a problem with it because I thought there were bigger issues in the game other than not, not trying to get more points. You have the deflection, which was a game yeah. changer. When it when it when the ball hits you right in the hands in between the numbers and you don't catch it on fourth down, that's a big play. Uh and there were some other plays that I, I think when you look at the individuals, they just didn't execute. But I know it's easy to pin it on the coach, and you and I were talking about this. For the people who are critical of Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions, other than the quarterback, you couldn't name five guys on that team. I mean, because they weren't a team of TV. Uh, they were a team that had a lot of young players. I mean, they obviously have been able to draft well. And I'll take that back. If you're not from St. Louis, because I know some will say, well, we got Laporta, we got the uh, uh, Jameson Williams, we got the punter. Okay, I give you that. But mm -hmm. most people don't know who the Detroit Lions are, and they certainly didn't know their personality about going forward and really pushing the envelope. Yeah. Now, I, it, and what you say is true. I can only name a couple more people than that. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, of course. Right. Defense um, uh, uh, Alex Anzalone, who played at Florida, so I got a chance to see him, you know, when Missouri yeah. played in Florida. 
But I mean, for the general yeah, but, but for the general public, yeah. But but your point is well taken. You're right, though. They they were a team of a bunch of no names. weren't great on defense most of the season, but offensively they were able to outscore a bunch of teams. Um, they had a great first half running the football, over 130 yards rushing in half one. Second half that all disappeared. And what do you have to do, Mike, in the playoffs? Run you got to do two things. You got to run. You got to run it, and you got to stop it on defense. Yeah. And don't turn it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and you know, you and I talked about this early in the year when everybody was throwing, everybody was putting on an air show. We had guys throwing for four and five hundred yards, and we kept coming back to the fact you better have a running game late in the year. And the teams that had running games got away from it, which was amazing. Yeah. I look at Detroit, and I look at Baltimore. Two teams that had very capable running games that got away from it, and it cost them. It, yeah. it cost them because if you have the ball and you have a two-score lead and you keep running the ball, guess what? The other team is going to have to take some pages out of their playbook that they can't run anymore because the clock is going to start to work against That's them. Right. And they That's didn't right. do it. They didn't That's do exactly it. exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know, do, do, do you know why? You know the answer to this, but for those listeners – do you know why you work on fundamentals from the very beginning yes, in the offseason and in training camp? And as a player, you go, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go again. Yeah. There's a reason because this is what you do repetitively. Your success always leans on the fundamentals, the thing you have worked on and done the longest. It's the fundamentals. It's the you know, blocking, yeah. tackling, footwork, precision route running. These are the things you do repetitively. Football is a game of repetition and you want to commit those things to memory. And when you try to make wholesale changes or try to fool the other team, you know, you, you, then become, you, you then become, you then become, you're slower, you think because you're thinking on the football field. You never want to be able to think on the field. Everything should be read, react, react to what your opponent is doing to you and, and overcome that. And that's unfortunately for Baltimore, they didn't do that. You know, uh, you didn't no. run Lamar. They he tried to make Lamar a pocket passer, didn't work. Kansas City, all they had to do was, oh, we're going to blitz him. We're going to blitz the hell out of him. Which I thought from the outset, I thought Kansas City would be better served, maybe rushing three and dropping a bunch of guys back in coverage. Yeah, and allow allow Lamar to do that, and and not so much going for sacks, but you. Blanket, keep him in front of you in the pocket. Yeah. That's right, keep him exactly. in front of you. But you he know, didn't have to do that. I, I was amazed. Spagnola, who I think will go down as one of the best defensive coordinators, he didn't do well as a head coach. Uh, but I think when it comes to drawing up a game plan, and, and, and you know, I think trying to draw up a game plan against Lamar is probably the most challenging thing there is. But they gave them enough looks where Baltimore was very uncomfortable. Uh, as you mentioned, they want to make him a pocket passer. And the other thing was, I noticed that his receivers didn't improvise and try and get free. They ran the pattern, but hey, he's don't throw it to me. Hey, look, man, you got to improvise, man. When you see your quarterback under the heat, you got to improvise, especially when they didn't drop guys back in coverage. They they played him basically straight up. Yeah, who and who, which team are the masters of improvisation? Which yeah, team? One team. Yeah. One to Kansas City. Kansas City. Patrick yeah. Mahomes and Kelsey. They have a, an innate ability. Kelsey can read the defense and adjust his routes on the fly. And Mahomes is patient enough to either either he knows it or can sense it 
or he can react to it very quickly. If he's supposed to run a, a, a five-yard hitch or, or, or out route, he then, if they're giving him, play, overplaying him to the outside, he can turn it back to the inside and vice yeah. versa on the fly. And that there's so few teams that can do that. And that's what make them makes them such I a agree. good duo, good tandem. Can, can you imagine if, if Patrick Mahomes had another receiver that he could trust? <laughs> Man. He and Kelsey no. together, what they could do downfield. Mm-mm. No. Or you know, if you have the uh, a Preston Pearson running back, and he just floats out in the flat, or he sees okay, because the, the logic is this: if you have all these guys over here, that means there's nobody over there, and you just count them up as far as knowing where people are, and once you have a feel for that, then you go to the spot that's open. And and, and I just think, and I agree with you. I, I think what what Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey does. Uh, it's something we've come to take for granted in some cases, but you know, they're so good at it. They make it look easy. And my thing is, well, if it's that easy, why isn't everybody else doing it? <laughs> Cause it you, ain't you that easy. Have, yeah. <laughs> and, and I want to go back to something you said fundamentally. I always remember Jim Hannafin saying, Hey, when you have a tough day and, and you think you're in trouble, if you trust your fundamentals, you'll, you'll get through the day. And, and I thought that there was some teams from an offensive line standpoint that, that didn't do anything that granted, these teams, all these teams had good pass rushers, okay? But I thought the way some of these teams handled their guys and just stayed patient. And, and Trent Williams, who probably is the best left tackle on the field right now, he he you know what? He didn't go out of his way because he knew, hey, look, you know, I, I can just stay here because I you can't get around me and you can't get through me, but I'm not going to make the first move where you can where I overcommit. And I just saw how patient a lot of these linemen were but they trust their fundamentals. And, and you know this as well as anybody. You have good footwork. You can play this game a long time, man. You can play Tell it a long that. time, man. And I look at people like yourself and Orlando Pace and Jonathan Ogden and people of that era, they all had great footwork. I don't know if I see as much of it now, but I would give Detroit I would give Detroit Lions some credit. Their offensive line is reasonably impressive. I know they need a little bit more help there, but they've got a good nucleus to build from, especially the way their running game was established. Yeah, yeah. they don't have a whole lot to do from a standpoint of, of, of building. Now, they do have a number of free agents that they could potentially lose. I, I don't know what their cap numbers are. I think they might be okay, but they've got to address the players that could be going yeah. elsewhere, and then how does that affect them? And, and I think Dan Campbell alluded to it in his press conference by saying, you know, something that might be prophetic. This may be our last shot. And I I don't think he meant with the group that he had on the field that day. I think what he meant was because the game has changed with free agency players with such player movement. You know, if you lose guys, are you going to replace them with guys that are as good, if not better? Well, and you know what, just always remind people just because he's a free agent, don't make him a pro bowler. And that's what you got to be careful of. He, he He's a free agent for a reason. A, one, the other team didn't want to spend enough money to keep him. And two, he might not be that good. So yeah. you have to take that into account. And, and while we're talking about Detroit, uh, Brad Holmes has got to be the executive of the year. Can you think anybody else? Um, He's probably that guy. Um, I can't think of the personnel guy in Houston. But look at where Houston. Yeah, he's a new guy too, by the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can't think mm-hmm. of his name, but you're right. He's a new guy. So I, I think it's between those two. Uh, maybe Brad goes further, 
Uh, and and I, I'm I'm pulling for Brad because I knew him when he was an intern with the Rams in the PR department. Yeah, yeah. And he worked yeah. his way up, man. He he worked. You know, there's no, they they didn't give him anything. This guy started as an intern and made himself into one of the top football executives at a, at a very young age. And uh, I, I couldn't be happier for him and what he's been able to do there. All right, let's move on to the big game. Uh, who do you like? <laughs> Um, listen, uh, you know, for years I've always been an NFC guy, right? You want to see the NFC mm-hmm. win it because I played in the NFC, but over the years, you know, with the success of Kansas city and, and how they figure out ways to beat you, whether it's with a very good defense with what Spagnuolo was able to do this year. Uh, but even with, uh, I say, somewhat handicapped receiving core in Kansas City, you still got Kelsey and no one's stopping him anytime yeah. soon. You know, the only people that are going to beat Kelsey and Mahomes are themselves, I think, uh, because of their ability to create, to um, improvise on the field, which is what makes them more difficult to, I think, to beat them. So given that, I think, you know, it, I think it will be a close game, a much closer game. You know, yeah, seven points or fewer. Uh, I'm going to pick Kansas City um, just because, um, you know, they, they are they are clicking. And, you know, Purdy, he played well on Sunday for the 49ers. Prior games to that, he hadn't played that well. But he's going to face a, a defense that is experienced. Um, and they got some players. They got some ballers on this, on this Kansas City uh, defense. And, um, again, I just like what Mahomes and, and Kelsey – uh, and Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco, oh. running the yeah. ball, running hard, running angry. He runs like Walter Payton. Not not saying the styles, but hard, determined. You, you ain't bringing me down with an arm tackle. There's well, no and you know what? It's going to take more than one guy to bring him down. That's right. Because exactly. he's got that low center of gravity also. Yeah. So you can't really get a good lick on him. I mean, yeah. I saw uh, uh, Philadelphia. I'm sorry. Uh, shoot. Detroit lay a lick on him, and he just spun around and kept going. And I'm saying to myself, that guy laid a lick on him that most guys don't get up from. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's a very determined person. You know, exactly. I, I, I I agree with you. I think this is going to be an even-steven game. When you look at it on paper, San Francisco has more offensive weapons than than, than Kansas City. Especially with but McCaffrey. The, yeah, he, yeah, McCaffrey exactly. He's a difference maker. McCaffrey. Oh, my goodness. No what a good player. No uh, the only thing that the 49ers don't have is Mahomes. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, George Kill's a very competent tight end. The wide receivers are solid. The running game is very good. They, you know, I mean, they do a lot. They check a lot of boxes on offense, but they don't have Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's the X factor. Now, when you look at their defense, pretty good. Uh, their linebackers, this will be a good test yes. for their linebackers and safeties for, for uh, Travis Kelsey. Because he's seeing some guys like, hey, we can go step for step, and we think like you. We, we're going to go to the spot you think we're, we're not going to be at. So I, I just really think it's going to be an even-steven battle. Uh, we talked about Spagnuolo and what he, he'll throw some things that Brock Purdy hadn't seen since he was facing Kansas State, okay? So <laughs> that, that's something that I think he's got to take into account. But I will give Purdy credit. He sometimes, sometimes has that deer-in-the-headlight look. But man, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. No, and you saw what he did running the football. Yes, he did something that everyone said he probably wasn't capable of doing, and he's got speed too, right? Yeah, 
Um, I, surprising speed. I had not seen him run that often. Uh, but he, he made to. plays. He he, made that's plays. right. He, he did. And I think having a quarterback that knows um, – when to run and when it's going to be most effective, you know, gives you that that little bit of an edge. But for I think for the Chiefs, because uh, we know Mahomes can do it as well, he he's got that ability to to tuck it and run it and and get pick up big yardage also. But this is where I think the the rest of the Chiefs' offense have to be um, they got they got to step it up another notch because you know. Yeah. They're going to try to take Kelsey out of the game, and that's where their outside receivers, uh, backs coming out of the backfield, someone else has to step up uh, because you know that, I mean, why would you not try to shut down their their best weapon? Um, so uh, everyone else is going to have to be playing in a, in a, in a, in a faster gear, I think. We're going to take a break and come back. This Huddle Up with Howard, ClavesOnline.com. Can Graybar help my electrical and datacom jobs be more productive? Yep, our supply chain services are designed to do just that. Like job site services? Yep, we deliver the products you need where and when you need them, no matter your industry. What if I have technical questions? Yep, our specialists are top notch. Emergency support? Yep, even after hours. They're a unicorn. When you need to keep your projects productive and profitable, rely on Graybar to help you get the job done right. No unicorns required. Yep. Gray Bar does that. Welcome back, everybody. We continue with Huddle Up with Howard. I'm Mike Claiborne. He's Howard Richards. I want to go back to Brock Purdy for a minute. Uh, you know, I'd never heard of the guy because unless you were in the Big 12, nobody ever heard of this guy. And yet and still he's found a way to make himself beyond relevant. Uh, how do you miss on a guy like that where he goes from being Mr. Irrelevant to going to the Super Bowl in his second year? And, and was in the championship game last year until he got hurt. Uh, because the the art of picking talent and drafting players, it is an art. It's just that it's not a science. Um, and the biggest miss in probably the history of professional sports was drafting Tom Brady in round six. You know, it's kind of cliche now, but. <laughs> or Johnny Unitas out of Louisville. I don't even think Unitas got drafted. But different you're era, right, right. but yeah, but yeah. but you're right about the Brady thing. That that still is a head scratcher. I always remember, and you've seen his combine photo and him running the forty. You're like, well, I can see why nobody would draft him higher. But you know, you're in the right situation, right environment, right co- quarterback coach and coaches that believe in you. You you can do okay. And uh, bully for him because I think he's getting some undue criticism. And I don't even know if it's criticism. I think there's just a scrutiny about where this guy come from. Uh, he's Brock Purdy from Iowa State, uh, which is not known. I, I don't think they had a good quarterback out of Iowa State since Tim Van Gelder. Left. Van Gelder. I mean, I was, I was, I was late great that. You know, I think he might have been the last guy who could actually play there. But point being, uh, he's doing everything he needs to do. And, and that whole systems quarterback thing is a bunch of bull. You I know what? You know, system quarterbacks are labeled that when it doesn't work. Game okay? manager. Yeah, exactly. When it doesn't Worst work, that's what you title him. But, you know, when it's working, he's just part of the crew. And I, mean, and I know that uh, uh, quarterback uh, Cam Newton made the point there's 10 guys on their offense better than him. Yeah, but see, my thing is he only plays one position. He's better than the left tackle playing quarterback. He's better than the wide receiver playing quarterback. And that's the only position he should worry about. So I think it's an unjust 
uh, assessment of, of a player when he's playing one position and you're comparing him to other guys at their position. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Uh, he's good enough to win it. Uh, we'll see, you know, just don't make any mistakes. And I mean, that's obvious, you know, don't turn the ball over. So it, it's, it's a game I'm looking forward to because I think we have the two best teams playing their best at the right time of the year. Yeah. I also think, and you and I've discussed this before, uh, these young players, not just quarterbacks, young players leaving college, going to the NFL after only three years. And Purdy, as far as I know, he played four. He may have even played five and may have had a yeah, red shirt. Good point. But, but he's he spent that extra time. That extra year often makes the difference uh, in your development and your ability to be prepared when you hit the professional ranks. Uh, time in the position matters. It really, really does. I'm not saying a guy that, that, that only spends three years can't do it, but the success rate, I think, is going to be much less um, if you if you spend less than four years um, in, in the collegiate situation. Well, let's go one step further. Now that the portal is in play and there's such a uh, change in players going from one school to another, and if you're a quarterback, and you don't have the right receivers you're throwing to or running back that you got to teach the game all over again to. I mean, that it, it even stunts your growth even more, in my opinion, with the good teams. There are some guys that won't make a difference. But I really feel like with the portal and you're losing those marquee players and then you got to re- learn how to play with some other guys who may not understand it or may not get it or may do things differently. Uh, I, I really feel like that's going to be a real challenge. And I think – the best thing for quarterbacks. I don't know about linemen in some cases, but I, and linemen can stay another Same year thing. just from a f- physical development. But I, I think that from a quarterback standpoint, the longer he can stay in the right environment, uh, and Iowa State obviously got that got the most out of him. But if you can physically and mentally you know, develop yourself uh, for another year, I think I'd do it. And I know people say, "Well, you're giving up the money." Yeah, that's true too, but. You know what? If I'm a really good player at the next level, I'll, I'll get it's the money. Be there. That's right. I'm and I was, money. yeah, I'll, I'll just give you an example of, you know, the three years versus four years. Now, when I was coming out of college, you didn't have the option of leaving after three years. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that after three years, I would not have been NFL ready. I needed yeah. that extra year. But and playing those games, you know, the the hula bowl, the senior bowl, where you're down there being coached by a um a professional coaching staff. And, and you're going up against you. the other good players in the country. That's right. That's you exactly know, I, right. I mean, it's not like you're playing, you know, Concordia, uh, you know, in a non-conference game. You're playing against the other best players in the country, or at least you're practicing against them. And if you don't learn anything out of that, man, then you probably shouldn't be there in the first place. You know, look at a guy like Darius Robinson who came back for another year at Mizzou. Um, he took. I was watching him two, yesterday. Two risks. D. Rob, I, I love this kid, man. Mm-hmm. He's so humble, but so determined. He's a great leader. He is. They use the term uh, personnel guys are going to salivate on this guy. But yeah. you know, he played you know three four years on the inside at defensive tackle kind of reshaped his body. They slid him outside to edge. He had, I think, eight and a half sacks for Mizzou this year. But he's getting it done at the senior bowls during those practices. And 
to me, he's playing himself into a first round pick. I agree with you. And and who's the the, the kid the left tackle? Uh, Javon Foster. I was watching him too yesterday. Mm-hmm. I was watching both of them, which tells me I got too much time on my hands. If I'm sitting here watching <laughs> but, but senior, senior practice. practice. <laughs> hey, <laughs> guilty. Cocktail, yeah. <laughs> I'm eating the shrimp guilty cocktail, yeah. I'm eating the shrimp cocktail, a glass of wine, <laughs> watching this. Like, like, surely there's something else on TV, you know. But my point being, watching those guys uh, practice against other good players, uh, that, that if they're fortunate, they'll see those guys on Sunday next year. Uh, I think it takes you a long way. And, you know, I know some agents, well, you shouldn't play in this. Bro, you should play in everything. If it's available to you, do it. Unless you are one of the most elite players in the game that everybody can establish. Everybody else is trying to move up. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're an elite player, it's more than a lateral move. All right, let's talk about (laughs) coaching. Uh, You and I have been following this coaching situation. And when you go back to the college thing, that, that thing is topsy-turvy, and they're still moving around. But now the NFL has got themselves involved. We had eight eight openings. We had four defensive coordinators and four offensive coordinators. So Frank Cusimano's theory that you better hire an offensive coach, I think, is out of the window now. But the other issue that comes into play, we're getting coaches of color getting a second chance. And that didn't normally happen. You know, but when you see Raheem Morris getting a second shot, uh, you know, I think that says a lot about character and where people are going with the game today and being able to relate. You know, Antonio Pierce, a former player, I think that's good, where a guy who earned his stripes growing through the system. And then you have some other younger guys that have come from places that you say to yourself, okay, okay, I, I get it. You know, he, he may be deserving, but the youth factor comes into play. Uh, and if you're very good on one side of the ball, you just go out and hire somebody who's very good on the other side of the ball to be your coordinator. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, because regardless of what Frank or anyone else says, defense still wins games in this Yeah, league. because the other team can't score and you outscore them because of your defense, you're going to win games, more games than you lose. Um, but you just, you, you go and find a hot shot offensive coordinator um, I don't think it really matters because not a lot of head coaches. It doesn't hurt to have a good quarterback to work with. Too. True. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it starts there. Starts there. It starts there. But uh, and and it's a given. We know that you've got to have a great quarterback. You know, if you're going to go places uh, in the standings. But, but being able to have whether your coach is an offensive coach or a defensive coach. He's going to be the CEO of your program. Yeah, mm-hmm. he'll have input on, you know, certain things. And Campbell, you know, I, I'm excuse me, not Campbell, Dan Quinn, who is now the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. I don't know if he's going to you know, be his own coordinator, too. To me, I would start off by hiring uh, another coordinator with whom you have a lot of confidence in, and I'm sure there are numerous ones there. Uh, but you got to get a handle on this team, this franchise that has been in shambles for some time under the, the ownership of Daniel Snyder. Now you've got um, uh, an entirely new ownership group. They came in, they sort of, I guess you might say, cleaned house. Uh, but this is where it starts for Washington. They've got to get it right. Yeah, and, they don't have a lot uh, of time to fool around. With no, this. no, they don't. You know, they, you know, they traded away two good players. So they probably got some good picks out of it. Um, 
but they're going to have to, you know, they'll, they'll need some pieces on defense, but they got some run stoppers in the middle there. So um, let me ask you this, though. What do you do mm-hmm. about quarterback in Washington? Uh, so Washington's going to have a high draft pick, right? Yeah. Um, I, uh, my guess is that they probably should draft a quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Or, or, or try Let's to all start off to, together here. Mm-hmm. Instead of inheriting a situation, yeah, uh, I'm of that belief. And, and you know what I'm doing? I'm going to make sure I get a couple offensive linemen via free agency no or in, early in the draft to make sure this guy doesn't get his brain speed out. No doubt about it. Uh, you you have to have that that piece, especially with a young quarterback, um, because you don't want the guy to be so gun shy after year one, especially if you have to march him out there and, and play in his first year. Yeah, um, and, and maybe that's not the case with Washington. Maybe if they can draft a quarterback relatively high, um, then he can sit for maybe one season learning. Cause maybe. these guys are coming out more, more, more ready uh, now than probably ever uh, because they're playing pro style offenses. But yeah, if you get guys that can protect your quarterback, then I, I think it hastens their ability to come in and be productive uh, because they're not running for their lives and, and, you know, throwing the ball because they haven't seen, you know, uh, or throwing the ball into into uh, scary situations on defense because they've not seen it. Uh, you want guys to be as confident as possible. And the way to do that is to have them sit back there and, and be well protected uh, so that they can learn to read defenses and, and deliver the ball quickly out of their hands uh, with as much confidence as possible. You know, I don't know about you, but I've run across multiple people recently who say to me, you got to hire Belichick. You got to hire Belichick. Uh, if you're Dallas, you got to hire Belichick. If you're Atlanta, you got to have. I, you know what? I wasn't surprised he didn't get a job. Not, uh, because, you know what? When he was with Brady, he was a really good coach. But without Tom Brady, the record indicates that he's not as good. He's a very good defensive coach. But when it comes to offense, he he hasn't been able to do it. And when it comes to drafting, he's been even worse. Uh, and I wasn't surprised that he didn't get a job. Now, that doesn't mean he's not deserving of one. Uh, and maybe taking a year off where he can assess what he needs to do as far as when he sits down with another interview and say, well, this is who I'm going to bring over. This is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do that. And this is who I would suggest we look at as far as player personnel. Maybe you have that game plan going because I don't think Bill Belichick can do all those things at this stage. I think he's going to have to get out of line and not necessarily prove himself, but I think justify why he's still considered the GOAT when it comes to coaches. That's very true. Um, But I also think that, and I'm not saying this is absolute truth with the Belichick situation, but I played for a legendary coach that went through something very similar towards the end of his career and Tom Landry. Uh, what a lot of people don't know is that the Cowboys were the last several years, last three, four years, last three years I was there, probably four years. They were trying to bring in new innovators, new coordinators, new quarterbacks, coaches to assist Landry with the changes of the game offensively. Right. Mm-hmm. But he was stubborn. He resisted that and basically said, I don't care who you bring in. I'm going to run this team and this offense the way I want to run it. 
So I would say he was less receptive, Mike, uh, you know, to those changes. And I think in the end, it, it's what cost Landry, you know, because we, we three straight NFC championships for the Dallas Cowboys, 1980, 1981, 1982 seasons. Go to the wild card in 83, lose in the first round. 84, missed the playoffs because uh, it had a quarterback controversy between Danny White, Gary Hogaboom. Uh, 80, 85, losing the wild card round to the Rams in, in uh, Anaheim. 86, you start the season 7-0. and Danny White, Danny White breaks his wrist. And Dallas goes one and seven. We go one and seven in the second half of the season. Who's, who's the guy? Who, who took over for him after that? I'm trying to remember who was Danny White. Yeah, for Danny, um, it was Gary Hogaboom and Steve Pelour. They sprinkled. That's in. yeah, there Steve Pelour. That's right. Yeah, that's the yeah. name I couldn't uh, think of. R- Richie Collier had a few opportunities. Remember uh, Richie mm-hmm. Collier from Southern Mississippi? Um, Good was, athlete. Very really good athlete. Yeah. yeah. Did Mizzou yeah. play them in a the game in a, in a bowl game? Uh, they probably did. During, yeah, I think they know, played. I think they played yeah. against him in a bowl game, and he kind of showed them how 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 it works and try to tackle him. But you know, you you make a good point. I think the older guys are so dug in that when they get that bucket of water reality, and they always resort back to, well, this is how I've always done it. Yeah, well, that right. that doesn't work. And I'll tell you another guy who was like that, and he was lucky he got out when he did. And I love the man. I think Gene Stallings would have had a hard time dealing with things to the point where I'll give you a good example. He walked away from the game because the president of the university challenged his play call. Now, Gene Stallings was his offensive and defensive coordinator, and a guy challenged. He said, well, you can have it. I'm good. And he walked away and never coached another down in his life. And and, and I think, yeah, but, you know, I think you have – the Landrys, the Jimmy Johnsons, the Belichicks, the guys, the Shulas, this is what they've done. And when you put them in a different environment and you challenge them and it doesn't work, they don't have a plan B because this is all they know. And when you don't have certain elements and you touched on what happened in Dallas, when you lose your quarterback, and I think the same thing can be said for Belichick, uh, it, it's really hard for them to adjust because they've always been accustomed to having someone who could drive the bus and they worry about everything else. Yeah, so very true. You, you've got to have the, the right mix of, of youth and experience on your club. You just have to. You need that leadership, that veteran leadership to show guys the ropes, yeah. but also to show them on the field, this is how you play the game, working hard and to get to this status. Uh, but you need that youth, you know, that enthusiasm and guys that can, you know, with the top end speed and guys that can run yeah. like deer, that can make plays on defense all over the field. Guys that are long and lean, that can defend passes, guys that can leap and 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 high point balls and, and knock balls, you know, from the defensive standpoint. You have to have that. As an older yeah. player, man, yeah. every year you play, trust me, your legs start to go. You start to feel it. By year four for me. I'm like, you know, I wanted to play 10 years. That was my goal playing in the NFL. By year four. You was like, like now where's my year. where's my degree at? <laughs> I'm year to year. Yeah. Let me go dust it off because <laughs> I'm gonna need this. <laughs> I gotta find something else to do. But <laughs> but you know what? I think you're right, man. There's so many guys that will tell me that they, they had the mission. I want to get at least 10 years in. And then when as John Madden once said, once you put your hand on the ground for the first snap you ever play, your body will never be the same. 
And I think, especially in a position that you play where you touching somebody every play, your body knocks you on the door and says, hey, look, this is all I got. And then you have to improvise. You have to start playing more with this than your body. And there's some guys who've been able to slip and slide and get an extra year or two. I, I'll give you a good example. I look at Travis Kelsey. I mean, uh, Jason Kelsey, undersized center, probably should have got out of game two years ago, but he was smart enough to be able to do some things and he could call line assignments better than anybody. He bought himself two more years. Now, the word is he may retire. And you know what? If he does, bully for him because he got more out of his body than most players would because he knew what he was doing. He, he played with his brains the last two years of his career. And more importantly, he's walking away healthy. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, as, as healthy as a 13-year veteran can be. Uh, and that matters. Trust me. You know, you, I, I, I've had nine surgeries football related surgeries Jeez. and you know very serious it's six knee surgeries for me i had a cervical spine fusion 10 years ago that um you know had i not had it when i did uh i could be in a wheelchair right now we'd be having a golf tournament for you that's right and, no and that's the thing that people don't take for they, they take for granted that you can play this game. Oh, what do you mean he's not not listen, man? Your body will let you know when it's time to do something else. And and some guys won't listen. And that's the problem. They don't yeah. listen. They don't invest their money wisely. And the next thing you know, they're trying to get a coaching job. Well, wait a minute, you don't even have a degree. Oh, I forgot I should have got one of those when I was in school. That's right. That's and right. Uh, it, it's it's a real cluster. All right, man. We're winding things up. Uh, we got some things to talk about next week as we get into Super Bowl week. Uh, I think that you're still going to see some interesting coaching moves. Oh, before we go, we haven't talked about the Missouri defensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, I thought, and I, and I want to mention gonna, one thing when we wrap this up too. Yeah, I, I want. I thought it was going to be internal because your recruiting coordinator had been familiar with the program and its players. I thought he would have been the likely candidate, but they looked outside. They did, and obviously, these. On the surface, we don't know what, um, you know, why coaches make certain decisions. I would have guessed that a guy like DJ Smith, Mizzou's linebacker coach, probably should have been groomed to be able to move up into that position. Uh, I don't know where his mindset is now. Uh, maybe he wasn't offered. Maybe he said to drink. I'm not ready. We don't know those things. Mm -hmm. But you would think that it's at, at some point with a young guy like that and to look at the comparatively across the college landscape and in the NFL, there are guys his age that are coordinators right now. Uh, so maybe for him, it's going to take another season, but to go out and get another um, experienced, uh, but not experienced in the SEC coordinator, but there, you know, this guy has been, excuse me, he's been, he, he has coached in this, uh, in the SEC, coached at Ole Miss for a number of years, Corey Batoon we're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, then he they just also hired a new edge rush coach to replace Kevin Peoples, who coached edge rushers, including Darius Robinson, Johnny Walker this season, uh, who also went to LSU with Blake Baker. So they've completed uh, those hires. Um, I, I think with Batoon, I think there may have been and don't quote me on this. There may have been uh, a, a crossing of paths at arkansas state yeah that's where it was i did okay. see that okay yeah. so you know those listen this is a fraternity right 
those relationships that coaches build within themselves because you know you, you could be here today gone tomorrow but you want to have a relationship a good relationship built with someone if they get that next job you want to be in line so that you can continue your career because the salaries are amazing yeah. right you're in coaching which crazy, people ask man. me why you didn't go into coaching like well first of all is a thankless job and back then when i would have maybe considered it the money wasn't good no uh, but it, it's, it's it, and the college now. thing is harder than the pro thing in my opinion yes it because is because recruiting, recruiting. And everything else yeah, yeah no hey, you know what it, it's interesting um how coaches are hired and fired um and i always wonder when you hire a coach that you've never coached with but maybe you coached against them you know, how's that process work? You know, where maybe a good defensive coordinator gave you a good, good gave you a good Saturday afternoon. You say, I gotta know who this guy is because he he really prepared for us well and, and did some things that made us uncomfortable. You think guys get hired in that manner as well? Because these coaches don't know everybody. I mean, as you yeah. mentioned, it's a fraternity, but there's different chapters of that fraternity that you may not be familiar with. You better believe that's the case. Uh when you see what a guy's doing, um as as an opposing coach that you didn't necessarily prepare for and they're able to mix it up and adjust on the fly yeah you're going to remember ooh that dude he gave us fits exactly i need i need him to uh uh be a a leader for the type of talent that i want to bring to this group of players um, and, and, and see, that's one of the biggest differences, I think, in the profession today that wasn't that way back 30, 40 years ago. And another name to throw in there was Chuck Knoll, right? Remember? Yeah. Steelers? Um, coaches and organizations used to bring in players that fit their system, right? You're plugging in a puzzle piece here and there. Now with guys like and to me probably the first guy and maybe two guys uh lawrence taylor ronnie lott they were yeah. two of the best to ever play the position maybe the best ever but at that point you realize i've got a special talent i can do things differently with these talented players that i can't do with anyone else they allow me to, to freelance. Freelance. I can yeah. move them around to different positions. You know, the guy like a lot, he can play safety. He started and as a corner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we can now, we can now bring him in the box. He can play in a box as a strong safety or third linebacker because he can hit and he can run and, and he can make those plays that, you know, some guys can't do as a hybrid guy. He's, he's like a true hybrid, but he's, He's more than just a two hybrid. He's a three hybrid because he can play, you know, DB. He can rush the passer, but he can play in coverage and he can play in the line and play the run extremely play, he, well. Uh, there you go. He can play the run and he could hit. Yes. He wore those big butterfly <laughs> shoulder pass, man. And when he lay, he was laying guys out. Um, I, I think when I look back at the, you know, four or five greatest defensive backs, it's him, it's Dion, it's Night Train Lane. Uh, and you know, I always go back and forth between Rod Woodson and Rod and uh, uh, Charles Woodson. Mm -hmm. uh, those guys really stand out. Daryl Green could run with anybody except Roy Green. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, there, there's a handful of guys. There's probably in the history of the game, eight guys, maybe nine defensive backs that you say, "Yep, they could play here, they could play there," and they were versatile. They could run, they could hit, they could cover, and they were fearless. 
Hey man, we're standing right there just real quickly. That yeah. toughness aspect of it. I'm gonna tell you a story. Ain't scared of nobody. Tell Ain't you scared. two two quick two quick things. So do you know the story about how, how Ronnie Lott got his finger uh, amputated? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and tell the story. Yeah. Playing playing the Cowboys, playing against us, he gets his pinky caught, I think between two helmets. Timmy Newsom, our big fullback, maybe the strongest guy pound for pound at his position ever. Um he, Ronnie gets his 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 helmet, I think, stuck between his helmet and, and Timmy's or somebody else's. That finger his pinky is like so mangled, right? So they like he, he can't play. So they give him the option, dude. You're gonna have to sur- have surgery immediately to fix this thing. Um, and he goes, well, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here. What can I do to get back faster? And I think some doctor says, well, we can cut it off and you can play next week. He's like, cut it off. Cut it off. <laughs> like I'm not gonna deal with all that. Like cut it off. Yeah. So he cuts. You know, it's like right here. You know the tip and maybe below mm-hmm. the joint, that thing is gone, and he he's there next Still week. Playing, yeah. I mean, that's 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 a that mentality. Not a lot of guys can. It, and you know what? Mentality. Word travels, and then we cut when you get come to the side. I heard the coach looks at you and say, "Well, you see what Lot did over there? <laughs> you coming over here with an ouchie? No, 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 no. They did one of these. Uh, they took they took a meat cleaver, <laughs> hit it on a cutting board, taped it up, <laughs> shot it up, get, get back hey. out there. <laughs> and, and ran the ran the, ran the pinky through a string. Now you can wear it around his neck <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a memento. <laughs> Let me mention one other thing, Mike, um, and it's football related. Um, when I was playing with the Cowboys, we had an assistant equipment manager. His name's Jerry Fowler. Who those guys are so unsung with the hours yeah, they that are. they spend to have players' equipment. I mean, in top notch condition. So Jerry lost his job with the Cowboys under the Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson uh, era. Uh, they, basically, they came to him and, and Buck Buchanan, whose son Bucky is the Cowboys' current equipment manager. And apparently the story goes like this. Jimmy says to uh, Jerry Fowler, you know, Jerry says, we got to let one of you guys go. And apparently Buck who was the more senior of the two was two years from retirement. Uh, so they decided to keep Buck. Jerry's on the street. Uh, he then goes, I think, to, to Rice. He gets another job, but but ultimately, uh, you know, he's out of football now. A year ago, just over a year ago, he suffered a, a stroke and lost like 80% of his vision. Hmm. And, you know, he can't work. But he, he, there's a procedure that uh, that doctors can perform, and there's a piece of equipment that if he uh, can get this equipment, he, he it will enable him to see better, um, and it will give him the ability to work. He's a proud guy. He doesn't want to take anything. All he wants to do is to be able to provide for himself and for his family. And I started a free funder page. If you follow me on Twitter slash X, uh, how underscore rich, you'll see the free funder uh, page that I have pinned to my profile. Follow me on Facebook, Howard Richards. You also see the same profile, free funder. It's about helping a friend in need. We're trying to raise 25,000 bucks. Um, we're about at 14, 15% now. But for those that are watching, I would appreciate it if you would go read the story about Jerry. Uh, and then donate whatever small amount, large amount that, that you can. 
And you mentioned Preston Pearson earlier. I just talked to Preston two weeks ago. Now, we didn't play together. We missed each other by a year. But Preston and Jerry did cross paths at Dallas. And Preston says, whatever I can do. You know, so he went and, and made a donation as well. But that's that speaks to the fraternity yeah. and how they appreciate what guys like Jerry Fowler did. You know, doesn't have any other benefits. But as, as a team, as former teammates, we're all teammates. We all wanted to do something to help a teammate in need. So if, if, if those of you are so inclined to do so, please donate. How Rich, How underscore Rich on Twitter, X, and Howard Richards on Facebook. All right. Great cause for sure, man. And I'm sure once people get the word, I, I know a guy out in, in, in Texas that could probably write the check out and not even miss it. And that might be Jerry Jones. I mean, I, I've always believed that once a cowboy, always a cowboy. And as yeah. you mentioned, the equipment managers don't get enough credit. Them and traveling secretaries or uh, administration guys don't get enough credit for what they do because it's a thankless job. Support but players, You're right. Yeah, players appreciate them because when you don't have a good one, you'll know about it because he won't be there long. You know, that, that's, exactly. that's plain and simple. And when you look around, I always think about Todd Hewitt and his dad uh, with the Rams for all those years. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a knack to it. And uh, so hopefully you guys will get this done sooner than later. And uh, we'll keep pumping it up on this website and anywhere else we're at. Appreciate it, brother. All right, man. He's Howard Richards. I'm Mike Claiborne. This has been another edition of Huddle Up with Howard on ClavesOnline.com. Don't forget, check us out for the Super Bowl edition next week right here on ClavesOnline.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Munganass with Munganass St. Louis Acura. Here to talk to you today about some benefits of Acura's certified pre-owned program. After passing a 182-point multi-point inspection, Acura backs all of our certified pre-owned cars with a six-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty and a seven-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. Munganass St. Louis Acura has new inventory arriving daily. Come on into Munganass St. Louis Acura today, meet our award-winning team, and find that perfect certified pre-owned Acura for you.